like, what am I really afraid of in life? Like trying it something and maybe having it fall on its face or submitting to a future that I know I really don't enjoy, you know? And it just seemed like, which is the bigger risk? You know, the risk of like a life unlived or the risk of like, you know, losing money and maybe my reputation. Hello, and thanks for listening to I Want Her Job, the podcast. If you're a foodie, love restaurants, or are curious about what it takes to start a restaurant, we think you'll love this conversation with Homeroom co-founder Aaron Wade. Homeroom is a mac and cheese restaurant whose mission is to serve the most delicious mac and cheese in America, and they are well on their way. Homeroom has become a community destination in Oakland, California, with lines at the door. But when Aaron came up with the idea for Homeroom, everyone around Aaron, including family and friends, thought Homeroom was a terrible idea. In fact, when Aaron found the one person who didn't think Homeroom was nuts, that person became Aaron's partner. Aaron shares some of Homeroom's ups and downs, including running through her entire life savings and opening the restaurant with only two weeks of operating expenses left in the bank. Aaron also shares advice on opening a restaurant and some of the ways she is making Homeroom an exceptional place to work and the best part of a customer's day. Before we start today's podcast, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Best Western. Attention business travelers, Did you know Best Western Rewards has some of the lowest free night levels in the industry? Go get rewarded at more than 4,100 locations around the world by visiting bestwesternrewards.com. Here is Erin sharing her homeroom story. In, well, in 2009, I was working as a corporate attorney and after having a particularly rough day, I was really craving some comfort food, some mac and cheese. And I came home late in the evening and it was a pretty drizzly night and, you know, realized there was nowhere I could go that would make it as good as I could um, using my father's recipe. And as I was cooking that night, I sort of thought to myself that it was crazy that there was nowhere I could go to buy it and um, that it would be a good idea to open a place that made really delicious mac and cheese. So um, that that idea sort of sat on the back burner. Um, I had had a, a lifelong dream of opening a restaurant and had gone back and forth in life between sort of more academic desk jobs and professional cooking. But about a month after that night of cooking mac and cheese in my apartment, um, I was actually fired from my job. And since this idea had been percolating in the back of my head, I I just decided to go for it, and um, Homeroom opened a little over a year later. Wow, that certainly sounds like destiny. So mac and cheese, um, that was something, is that like a childhood favorite or something, like you said, that your father made? Yeah, I mean, uh, literally, so my dad makes like four things, and they're all like the best version of that thing you'll ever have, but that's all he cooks. Um, It's pancakes, chocolate chip cookies, a dish called chicken a la king, and macaroni and cheese. And... um, so yeah, I just, I loved it. And as I said, I'd worked in restaurants and it did seem really, really, you know, and I love, I'm sort of obsessed with restaurants and, and love studying them and different ideas. And it, it seemed really shocking to me that I had never tasted a mac and cheese more delicious than my dad's. And it's such a beloved food, you know, in American society. Totally. So when you, you know, decided to pursue this idea, did people think you were crazy just to open a restaurant, just serving mac and cheese? Absolutely. Um, I mean, it's funny today, people are like, what a brilliant idea. And I really never heard that um, as I was working on the restaurant at all. Um, People thought it was a terrible idea. And we're like, what about, 
Um, you know, what about serving burgers too, or sandwiches or what happens for people who don't like mac and cheese? And I was like, you know, people never ask that question of people opening uh, pizzerias or burger places, but it just it was such a new paradigm of, of a restaurant, even though it's a, a, you know, a really beloved food that most people know much like a hamburger or a pizza. Um, it was just really outside of the range of people's understanding to think that there would be a place just dedicated to that. Yeah. And so tell us about your menu and how many different types of mac and cheese you offer and what makes it so special. Um, Sure. So we offer um, 12 different kinds of mac and cheese at a time. And what makes it so special is one, it's by far the most delicious mac and cheese in America. Um, But uh, two, I think what makes it um, really unique is that's our our focus. Uh, We make every single one by hand to order. Um, It's not sitting in a big vat just getting dished out, which is usually how mac and cheese is prepared. It's usually a side dish and it's usually an afterthought. So for us, it is the thought. And, um, yeah, I think that that's really what makes it unique. And, you know, you can add all sorts of things in, you can get it creamy, you know, stovetop style or baked, um, with like a crispy topping. Um, so we really cater to, you know, we even have it vegan, we have it gluten free. So it's like every kind of mac and cheese under the sun that you could imagine you can have at home room. Got it. I just love to know, like, okay, so you decided to start this. And how did you go from idea to opening day? I mean, because, you know, a lot of us can think, oh, wait, I want to, I'm going to start a restaurant. But how did you actually do it? Sure. So, you know, there was definitely a lot of, a lot of milestones along the way during that first year. I'd say, you know, the first one was really honestly overcoming my own fear and a lack of acceptance, as we just talked about. I mean, it wasn't just... Um, you know, people that I spoke with at random who thought this was a bad idea. I mean, my family definitely thought this was a terrible idea. (laughs) And and there was a lot of of pressure. I mean, at at that point, I'd been an attorney for only half as long as I was in law school for. Um, So it wasn't like I'd had some storied career where I'd made a ton of money and then was doing this. I mean, I'd, I'd really was basically throwing away an education that I just spent a while getting. And, um, And I think if you're the type of person who is a lawyer, you're very risk averse. So um, I was really afraid, you know, I was really afraid of of failing. Um, So overcoming that I think was was number one and just living with a lack of acceptance from people that I cared about. Uh, And um, milestone number two was uh, meeting my partner. Um, uh, We actually met in the coffee shop. She was literally the only person I knew who wanted to open a restaurant, and I'd known her for like three months, but literally everyone else I knew thought I was nuts for wanting to open a mac and cheese restaurant, and she didn't. (laughs) So um, we've actually recently parted ways, but I think um, getting someone else who wanted to do this with me in the beginning was was pretty critical for me in terms of making me feel more confident. Um, So that was a big big milestone. the third one was, you know, overcoming my risk tolerance because I went through my entire life savings plus some and actually when homeroom opened, we only had two weeks worth of operating expenses in the bank. So um, I think, you know, if I hadn't been fired, if it wasn't the middle of a recession, um, if I had had any clue how expensive this all would have been before I started spending money on it, I probably would not have done it. So I think, you know, like overcoming that risk tolerance was a really big milestone and just, you know, sort of leaning into it and being like, all right, this will either be a big success or like a giant 
<laughs> drive failure. Um, and Milestone 4 was just building it, you know, everything. We went into a space that had nothing and had to do a lot of the work ourselves from like building furniture to doing floors. Um, and, and that's a real challenge if you've never, you know, built anything with your hands before. Um, that's a really big deal. And number five was, uh, you know, getting our first glimpse of the public. We did a ton of events while we were building the restaurant and people were instantly obsessed with the food. So I think that was really big was finally getting it into people's hands and seeing their reaction. And, uh, milestone six was like, hiring and firing for the first time, which mm -hmm. I definitely spend a bunch of time talking about. Um, but if you've never done that before, it's, it's definitely a big challenge. And milestone seven was, was opening, you know, like actually getting this, you know, opening the doors, this thing that we've been working on for over a year. I love that. And I, I mean, I can totally understand how being risk averse, what you did takes so much guts and aside from like you're saying the, the circumstances around the recession and your job, kind of helped you keep going what else like what did you tell yourself like what kind of mindset did you keep while you were you know in in the process of opening it to keep going and not quit well you know I think um you know everyone's personality is different but I think for me because I was so afraid of that failure I think having actually been completely miserable being a corporate attorney and really thinking you know, when you go to a place every day and you're unhappy um, and knowing that that's what the alternative, you know, is, I think it sort of kept me going to be like, like, what am I really afraid of in life? Like trying it something and maybe having it fall on its face or submitting to a future that I know I really don't enjoy, you know, and it just seemed like which is the bigger risk, you know, the risk of like a life unlived or the risk of like, you know, losing money and maybe my reputation, you know, uh, as like a successful overachiever. So, um, I, yeah, it just seemed like, I think it was just that perspective. Um, you know, and I, I hope for people listening that other people have a different mindset where maybe they don't have to get to the point of being really miserable to really force themselves to, to think of what might actually make them happy. <laughs> I think oftentimes it takes that. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That totally makes sense to me. So looking back, so it took more money than you expected and there was all these other surprises. Like what advice would you give to others who want to start a restaurant? Oh, geez. Um, you know, I would say actually the biggest piece specifically for people wanting to open a restaurant would be um, – make sure that you either are are actually in love with business and not just in love with food or that you have a partner that is. Because mm -hmm. I, I think, you know, when I look at, um, you know, most restaurants do have a huge failure rate, um, like over 90%. And uh, there's a lot of factors that go into that. But I think one of the biggest is that most people, the draw is really like, oh, I love food, you know? And, and the truth is that that it's a, a business where the product is food and you have to be good at and in love with a lot of other things, you know, like you have to have some kind of degree of financial literacy. You have to know how to manage people. Um, you have to, you know, be able to do marketing. You sort of have to be this like jack of all trades or bring on other people that have that kind of expertise. And so, um, you know, just being into food is really not, 
it is not going to cross the finish line. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you love business. Absolutely. Great advice. And so you'd mentioned um, the hiring and firing milestone was a big one. Any kind of lessons learned or experiences, stories that you want to share about that? Yeah. Well, you know, um, people always think that my background in law and policy is really, you know, irrelevant to the work I do today, but actually it's, it's pretty strongly linked. I mean, I, um, you know, having been so unhappy in my previous work, it was very deliberate about wanting to turn homeroom into a really great place for other people to work. Cause it seemed like, you know, achieving my dream of wanting to go to work every day would feel pretty flimsy if no one else did, you know, <laughs> if I was just creating the same kind of place that, that I had never really enjoyed working. Um, and so, uh, you know, our first ad was actually like so utopian in its scope about what kind of place homeroom was going to be to work that more than three people, three, sorry, more than three, more than 300 people showed up to, um, our open interviews. It was just overwhelming. There was like line circling around the block. <sighs> and, um, I think that the real challenge has been taking that utopian, you know, vision of creating a really wonderful place to people to work and turning that into a practical you know, business reality. And I definitely have a lot of stories about being unsuccessful at that and increasingly successful at it over time. Um, but yeah, I'd say that's been one of the big, um, <laughs> God, yeah, that seems like a great blog in the making. I'd love to read that. Cause I'm sure you, you know, you're learning so much and iterating and changing and, um, I mean, a lot of people want to have a great place to work, right? But then re reality business gets in the way. So can you give us an example of one thing that you've kept at and that works to make it such a great place to work? Yeah, you know, I think like a, a good general philosophy that people could apply to a lot of different business models is that, you know, I always thought that giving people sort of unchecked freedom was the key to happiness because I always hated like having to really follow other people's rules, even if they didn't make sense. And I think I just wanted much more freedom than anyone was willing to, to give. But actually, too much freedom is actually very disempowering. Um, and so I think the key is really um, creating the right boxes for people to have freedom within. So like, you know, a good example would be, you know, home's mission is to be the best part of people's day. And we mean it equally for both staff and customers. And, you know, a lot of restaurants would really define exactly what that should mean to everyone. Like, hey, to be the best part of a customer's day, this is what you should do. You know, if you're a server, you should do this. If you're a cook, you should do this. Um, and we don't. We actually, like, completely empower our staff to do whatever it takes to be the best part of um, either a staff member or a customer's day. And, you know, we do brainstorms and training and things like that. And so for an example, like, um, you know, with a server, we'll tell them, hey, you know, we expect you to like stoke out at least three tables at random during a shift. Um, we don't explain what it means to stoke out. It could be whatever they want. It could mean going to that table and giving them a round of hugs. It could mean, <laughs> you know, completely taking care, like having the entire meal comped. Um, it can be whatever seems appropriate to them. And I think... So, you know, providing the box of the expectation of like, hey, we expect you to go above and beyond. We expect you to think about this on a daily basis. Like that's the expectation, that's the box. But then giving people the freedom within the box to express it however they see fit is like a, a good balance of achieving the business objective while still giving people the freedom to be themselves. I love that because then your staff gets to be creative and the customers are, always get to be surprised, right? 
Totally. And, um, you know, I think that's what we all want is like the ability to be able to walk in somewhere and, and to be ourselves. And I think, um, you know, I think businesses are often really afraid to, to do it because they're afraid that people will make decisions that they don't like. And, you know, people do make decisions I don't like all the time, but I think it's much better than the alternative where they have no freedom to make those decisions and no autonomy to mm-hmm. and no authority to. And then they feel disempowered and disengaged. And um, that's no good for anybody. Totally. Totally. So you studied public policy at Princeton and then a law degree from UC Berkeley. So obviously you really enjoyed studying, but then you were mentioning how you really didn't enjoy your job. Tell us about what made you miserable about it. Well, you know, I never thought about it before um, I became a lawyer, but um, I I think law is, (laughs) sorry, all you lawyers out there. Um, I think it's a a really inherently... uh, destructive enterprise like I mean the you know um it'll sound it sounds terrible but it's true you know uh the basic premise of law is that you have two opposing sides and they fight with they, they take the most extreme position humanly possible and then one of them wins you know and um the the point is to basically tear apart the other <laughs> the other position you know and um that's pretty destructive and it's a really harmful way of approaching the world, to be honest. And so I think that the thing I love about business is that it's creative and you get to make things, you know, and you get to work with people to produce um, things together as opposed to work against them to tear things apart. And um, it's just a philosophical, it's, it's a hugely different philosophical approach to living and one I had not contemplated before I became an attorney. Um, totally, I understand. And and so you're you're in Oakland, and you're very community focused. And tell us how, you know, some of the inspiration that you get from being, you know, local community restaurant, and um, kind of maybe goals you have toward in, in the community. Um, sure. You know, I think uh, I think we feel really fortunate that we're really beloved in our community and have such great. Um, you know, great regulars and connections to people. Um, I I think, you know, what are our goals in terms of remaining that way? I think it's just as much as I talked about staff coming in and being able to be their authentic selves. Um, I think I feel the same with, with customers. And I think what really delights me is that the folks who come in are really diverse, really reflective of Oakland. And, you know, literally we've had them come in for everything, from the celebration of the birth of a child to the death of a loved one. And that was their favorite place to eat. And they're coming to remember them. I mean, um, so yeah, I think just to play those important roles in the moments in people's lives is a pretty special thing to be able to. I guess what I just was curious, like seven years in, like, how do you feel every morning? Is it still as exciting every day? Um, no, I mean, absolutely not. I think, you know, you, it's like anything else in life. I think there's ups and downs. And I think actually one of the biggest mistakes I made when opening the restaurant, um, was, I thought that was it, you know, like, I feel like the same thing happens when you get married. Um, you know, I've been married for, uh, almost a decade and, you know, you watch movies or hear TV shows or, you know, listen to podcasts and it's sort of like, Oh, you know, you're in pursuit of this dream. And then once you achieve it, that's it. And you're just going to be happy forever, you know, and whether that's finding your partner or whether that's, you know, achieving a lifelong professional goal. Um, but the truth is that dreams need to be constantly evolving. And, and once you've achieved one, you know, you need to 
um, you, you generally like have new ones that, yes. that are on the horizon, mm-hmm. you know? And this sounds really silly. I just did not, I, I was like, okay, I'm here. You know, this yeah. is it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, um, so no, I think, you know, you go through ups and downs, uh, as with anything where you have to reflect on what you're doing and if you want to keep doing it the same way and how your dream is going to continue to evolve. Absolutely. And I, I, what you're saying is so true. I, I read in this happiness book that actually we get used, people get used to anything within six months, whether it's like a marriage, a baby, you know, and that we've dreamed about, right? Six months in, we're going to be used to it. So yeah, so maybe my question should be like, what are what kind of dreams you've achieved? This great thing that people said, what are you doing? You're crazy. You you did it. So what kind of dreams excite you, or maybe what are you looking forward next? Sure. Um, you know, I think that I, um, you know, Homeroom was an interesting journey because I opened it because I thought I wanted to open a restaurant, but the thing that I feel very fortunate that I happened to fall in love with was was business. And I sort of more from just wanting to create yummy mac and cheese for people to eat to really wanting to create um, a great company that has a lasting impact on society. And um, those are really different, different dreams, you know, and and require different things of you. Um, So, you know, when Homeroom opened, I would spend time on the floor and I would just be meeting with customers. And, you know, today we have a staff of almost 100 people. And I spend a lot of time on very different things, you know, learning um, better management practices and how to like really grow and manage teams and implement systems for their growth and development and how to scale product and, you know, all those things. So I think that's really the difference is the difference between a restaurant and a, and a company. And my dream has morphed from one to the next. Yeah, very cool. So a hundred and how many managers do you have that you must have quite a few, I mean, to manage a hundred people? Yeah, I guess sort of depending on what level of management you define it as, uh, we have like 15 managers a month. Got it. Uh, what do you, what kind of resources, where do you go to keep learning um, aside from, you know, day to day, like what you learn on the job? What else do you do to, to stretch and keep learning? Well, I am a huge fan of a company called Zingerman's in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but um, so they started as a deli and then decided to grow into, um, they added a bakery and then um, a, a dairy and a candy making company and a coffee company and then eventually a training company. And their CEO has been pretty influential to me. Um, he writes a bunch of books on business and, um, I go attend classes there every, uh, every year and we send our management team every year as well. And classes on all sorts of things that are relevant regardless of industry, um, on, you know, whether it's, uh, how to manage yourself and your time or leadership. Um, they're very out there and alternative and in line with my own weird alternative business practices. So I think uh, if you're into that sort of thing, if you're into, um, you know, alternative leadership development, um, they're a great resource. Yes. And Zimmerman's, is that? Zingerman's. Zingerman's with a G? Yeah. Got it. Okay. Um, No, I mean, that sounds so cool. And I just think that that the life that you've created for yourself, it feels very kind of... um, 
relation just it feels fun it feels challenging it feels fun and impactful towards all your employees and the community so I can see why you love doing it I'd love to know some of your daily practices your mindset or kind of life philosophies that have um, allowed you first of all to get an incredible education and then to start a business that most people would um, say that it wasn't going to work Um, yeah, I think that the biggest uh, the biggest philosophy that was impactful for me was trying to shift from um, being very fixed mindset to very growth mindset. And um, I think I would have described myself as a growth mindset person because I like to do so many things that are challenging, but that's actually not what growth mindset is. So, you know, just to explain, like if you're, let's say you have something that you open a business that doesn't make money, a fixed mindset will view that as a failure, mm-hmm. right? And a growth mindset would view that as an opportunity for learning. And, you know, so what could I learn for my next business or for the next thing that I would do in life? And um, and so I, being a big overachiever and a big perfectionist, always thought that if I failed at something that I was a failure, like I was the kid who would like fail a, you know, high school math test and then go cry in the bathroom sort of a thing, you know? And, um, I think that's a bad way to, to live your life. And so, you know, for a long time I defined homeroom as being a success because it makes money and it's recognized. And, um, and now I think I have the maturity to realize that that's not a good way to approach life. And that even if homeroom had never made a penny and it had completely gone out of business, that, um, it would have been a great experience that I never would have regretted doing, that I would have learned a tremendous amount from. And that that's sort of the point of, of living is, is to do things like that. So um, I think if you can like switch from being fixed mindset to growth mindset, that that can have a pretty tremendous impact on, you know, your life and, and your happiness for sure. Yeah, no, I love that because then, you know, it just gives people kind of the courage to start something, right? Because you're going to gain so much just from that experience, whether or not it's successful. But um, it takes it takes so much courage. Um, and like you said, like you, you know, you were living on two weeks of, did you say operating funds left, like when you launched? Yeah. So, I mean, if we didn't start making money from day one, we would have been closed in two weeks. Two weeks. Um, and after ridiculous. like all that work, like you, re- you built the store, right? Like you do remodeled probably. And oh yeah. And it had literally spent both of our life savings, you know, on the entire thing. <laughs> God, <laughs> two, weeks. two weeks. So, um, did, was, did you have sales like the first, did, after the first week, did, did it seem clear it was going to work? I mean, after the first day, there was just so much enthusiasm and hugely long lines. And um, it was clear that this was going to be a hit and that our biggest problem was going to be um, dealing with those crowds in a way. So, that- so just looking back, um, is there something like what was it? Was it did you guys do great marketing? Did you like how how is it that there was um, so much interest right when you started? You know, this will sound silly, but I really believe it to be true. I think that, you know, whenever you do something that you feel a real passion for that comes from your heart, I think it's just really infectious. And I think that people feel it. Um, So, you know, as we were building the restaurant, we were doing a bunch of mobile events. Like um, there's this thing, it's since been shut down by the health department, but it was called um, the Underground uh, Market. And it was held in San Francisco. And it was a bunch of people making food out of their homes that would that would sell it. 
and it was like a night market and they had music and they had booze and it was just super fun. And our lines were just insane. Like people <laughs> were obsessed. And I mean, I think in part it's because the product is, is just truly that delicious, but but I really think it's that, you know, pe- that passion is infectious. And, you know, I think that was the key to opening a restaurant that's successful. I know, you know, a few years in, we wrote a cookbook. And honestly, I did not realize how bad the economics of cookbooks are. They're terrible. It made no financial sense to do it, even though we were approached by the the largest and best in, in cookbook publishing to do it. And um, just did it because I always wanted to write a cookbook. It was just a passion project that I thought if I never made a penny, um, it was going to be worth doing. And it's been a bestseller. It sold over 100,000 copies. It's been tremendously financially successful. And I think it's because people feel passion, you know. And so, yeah, I think that's a big – I think that's the best marketing you have is is putting love into what you do. Got it. And um, what about expansion plans? Well, uh, my goal is definitely to take over the world with <laughs> – Mac and cheese. Uh, yeah, no, really, I want to revolutionize mac and cheese. It's a it's a really incredible American food, and people know Kraft or Annie's, but in the future, I, I really want them to know homeroom. Um, have plans to expand into new markets, to try to get more into people's homes through different types of delivery, and eventually a product that will, will take down Kraft, um, and to do all of the above in a way that is ethical and creates a new business model for people in the food world. So, you know, that's the kind of thing you could work at your, your whole life. I love it. You're never, you're not going to run out of dreams on that one. Um, (laughs) so tell us, for somebody who, you know, has never seen the menu, they, they're picturing, you know, like I usually order mac and cheese for the kids. Tell us what makes your mac and cheese different. Hmm. Um, you know, honestly, I think, uh, it it really is being made to order with really delicious, wholesome ingredients. Um, you know, one of the biggest questions I'll get from people is like, I'm so amazed that, you know, you guys are so successful. There's such a push towards like healthier foods now in the market. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Mac and cheese is a healthy food. It just sort of depends on how you define healthy. And, you know, I define it as wholesome ingredients with names you can pronounce. And there's nothing more wholesome than like, milk, butter, flour, and cheese. So I think it's just, you know, simplicity and, um, and, and being done right. And quickly, before we end, I'd love to know about your early influences, like where you grew up, your family, and, um, we know your dad made a great mac and cheese. So definitely his influence is seen. Anything else? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, other than, you know, stealing my dad's recipe, uh, well, both my parents are, are entrepreneurs um, who interestingly did not want their children to become entrepreneurs, but um, they're both very self-made people. My mom had had polio as a child. She was an immigrant. She was a child of Holocaust survivors, and she had her own business, or still does. It's actually very large. Um, wow, what kind? Um, she provides speech and educational services to kids in L.A., and I mean, she has a few hundred employees, has like contracts with like every major school. Um, it's pretty impressive. And, um, my father is an accountant and he was just a solo practitioner, but he'd grown up on a farm and, you know, paid his way through college by trucking. And, you know, so they're just both very scrappy, very self-made people. And, um, 
you know, it's funny. I think that they didn't want that hard of a life for their kids. So they just wanted us all to become professionals. But all of us are entrepreneurs, me, my brother, and my sister. Interesting. <laughs> so, what, what do they do? Um, my, my sister is in fashion, mm-hmm. and um, my brother's in coffee. And um, so... You know, I think sometimes you learn more by watching than by by listening. Because if I listened to my parents, I'd still be a lawyer. But by watching them, I'm an entrepreneur. So that's so fascinating because you know all the kids' books say you know um, children don't listen to what you say; they watch what you do. And there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fascinating. Um, well, they sound incredible, and I, I mean, I thank you so much. I've so enjoyed. Um, learning about homeroom and uh, excited to see you as you dominate the world of mac and cheese. Uh, Anything else that you'd like to share? You know, I guess I would say, I mean, I don't know if I go to therapy is like a good piece of advice for people, but I feel like, you know, being someone who has been fortunate enough to be educated at great schools and, you know, spent a lot of time learning to think, I, I think we're really not taught very much how to, how to feel. And, um, but I think that, you know, getting in touch with your emotions is really the key to making decisions that are going to let you lead a fulfilling life. You know, like if I, if I was following what was in my head, I would never have opened a mac and cheese restaurant, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think finding a way to get in touch with your feelings and your heart is pretty important and we never receive an education on how to do it. So that would be my parting advice is whatever way you need to educate yourself, you know, do that. Thank you so much. I uh, hope everyone um, is, when they're in Oakland, checks it out. I'm going to, so I can't wait to try your mac and cheese. Great. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it.